Good morning, this is 5 at 8. Today's Friday, January 5th, 2024, and here's Linda Carlisle and Mark Overman with today's top news. In this episode, we'll talk about a U.S. drone strike in Baghdad killing the leader of a militant group linked to Iran. President Biden facing pressure to address immigration issues at the U.S.-Mexico border. Donald Trump gaining significant support as he considers running for president again, housing affordability in the U.S. varying greatly by location, and a Russian oligarch taking auction house Sotheby's to trial. We'll also discuss the discovery of a potential new class of antibiotics, Carrefour removing PepsiCo products from its shelves due to a pricing dispute, Google testing a new feature in its Chrome browser to block third-party cookies, and the increasing prioritization of sustainable investments by second- and third-generation family businesses in Asia. Story number one. A U.S. drone strike in Baghdad, as reported by the New York Times, killed the leader of a militant group linked to Iran. The strike is seen as a retaliation against Iran-backed groups in Iraq that have attacked American bases. The Iraqi government condemned the attack as a violation of sovereignty. President Biden, as stated by the New York Times, is facing pressure from both Republicans and Democrats to address immigration issues at the U.S.-Mexico border. Meanwhile, Donald Trump has gained significant support from Republican elites, as reported by the New York Times, as he considers running for president again. Housing affordability in the U.S., as reported by the New York Times, varied greatly by location in 2023, with only 0.03% of homes in cities like Los Angeles and San Francisco considered affordable for median earners. Other top news, according to the New York Times, includes a school shooting in Iowa, a subway train collision in Manhattan, and Trump's businesses receiving millions of dollars from foreign governments during his presidency. In the art world, a Russian oligarch, as stated by the New York Times, is taking auction house Sotheby's to trial, shedding light on the secretive workings of the industry. Aging experts, as reported by the New York Times, suggest that getting more sleep and developing a positive mindset can contribute to longevity. Other topics covered, according to the New York Times, include climate change posters, heartwarming marriage proposals, friendship secrets, fitness myths, Vietnamese-style spring rolls, a true crime book recommendation, an optimistic playlist, budget-friendly workout habits, recommended desk lamps, Manhattan home options on a $900,000 budget, and a YouTuber who cuts open expensive bags to reveal their true quality and cost. Would you look at that, Linda? The U.S. government taking a hard line against Iran-backed groups in Iraq. You know, this reminds me of a few past instances where U.S. military intervention has been used as a deterrent. It brings to mind the military strategies used during the Cold War. It's a delicate balance, isn't it? Maintaining national security while respecting the sovereignty of other nations. The Iraqi government isn't taking this lightly, calling it a flagrant violation of their sovereignty. Yes, Linda, it's a real tightrope walk. But look at the pressure Biden is getting on the home front. Democrats, his own party, are calling for tighter immigration controls. It's like he's stuck between a rock and a hard place. It does seem that way, Mark. The shifting political demographics are certainly making an impact. It's interesting to see how this mirrors the calls for bipartisan politics and policy implementation. The dynamics are constantly evolving, aren't they? They sure are, Linda. Speaking of evolving dynamics, take Trump's influence within the Republican Party. Incredible, isn't it? Despite being voted out of office, he's still their top choice. There's something to be said about the power of charismatic leaders. Yes, Mark 
quite fascinating. Charisma has always played a significant role in politics. However, it's also crucial to be aware of the potential dangers of political entrenchment. On a different note, how about the American housing market situation? It's quite alarming, isn't it? Oh, you're not kidding, Linda. It's been a rough year for home buyers. Prices are through the roof, and it's getting tougher for the average Joe to get a foot on the property ladder. But you know, economic policy and global factors play a big part in this. It's not just about supply and demand. Story number two. Researchers have discovered a potential new class of antibiotics called Zosurabalpin that could effectively treat lethal hospital infections, as reported by the BBC. The compound has shown promising results in test tubes and mice, particularly in treating infections caused by the carbapenem-resistant Acinetobacter baumani bacterium. This bacterium is classified as a priority one critical pathogen by the World Health Organization and is resistant to many known antibiotics. Zosurabalpin disrupts the bacterium's ability to assemble a protective membrane, ultimately leading to cell death. Although the researchers have conducted some preliminary studies, full clinical trials are still needed, which could take several years and cost millions of pounds. However, the discovery offers hope for treating hard-to-treat infections and could potentially be applied to other bacteria as well. This is indeed fantastic news, Linda! The discovery of Zosurabalpin, a potential new class of antibiotics, is a game-changer. It's like fighting an enemy with a new type of weapon, one that they've never seen before. The fact that it's successful against the carbapenem-resistant Acinetobacter baumani, a bacteria that's been a nightmare for hospitals, is just... wow, it's huge. It's a monumental step forward in the battle against antibiotic-resistant infections. What fascinates me is how Zosurabalpin works. It seems to disrupt the bacterium's ability to assemble its protective membrane, essentially leaving it vulnerable. It's a little like removing the shields from a spaceship in a sci-fi movie, leaving it vulnerable to attack. Right, Linda. And let's not forget that this breakthrough didn't just happen overnight. It's the result of screening about 45,000 small molecules with potential antibiotic properties. That's a lot of hard work, determination, and yes, a fair bit of luck too. But it's like they say... The harder you work, the luckier you get. It's an excellent reminder of the importance and value of scientific research. However, we must remember that this is just the beginning. First-in-man studies have been completed, but that's a long way from being used in hospitals. Clinical trials take several years and cost millions. And then there's the hurdle of getting the drug approved for use and making it accessible globally. It's not just about the discovery, it's about the follow-through. We've got this amazing new potential drug, but the journey from the lab to the patient is a marathon, not a sprint. And I do hope that the powers that be realize the importance of this and make sure it gets to the people who need it. And not just in the countries that can afford it. I couldn't agree more. It's a reminder that healthcare isn't just about the science, but also about the economics and the politics. The urgent need for new antibiotics, the challenges in developing them, and the necessity for their equitable distribution. These are all interconnected issues that require a multifaceted approach to solve. Great point, Linda. It's a complex issue indeed. But let's stay optimistic. After all, where there's a will, there's a way, right? Story number three. Carrefour, a major European retailer, is removing PepsiCo products from its shelves due to a dispute over pricing, as reported by the Washington Post. The move comes as Europeans face high food prices, with France experiencing a year-over-year -year increase of over 7% in December. 
In response, some retailers in the U.S. have pressured suppliers to lower prices by placing brands in less favorable positions on shelves. However, in Europe, more aggressive tactics like removing all products are common, as European consumers are more inclined to buy private label brands. Carrefour plans to increase its private label representation to 40% of food sales by 2026. PepsiCo's business in Europe accounts for about 14% of its global revenue, and losing shelf presence at Carrefour will have a significant impact on its business in Europe and potentially globally. Hasn't it been just wild to see how food prices have been skyrocketing not just here in the U.S., but all over the world? I mean, we're seeing Carrefour in Europe pulling PepsiCo products off their shelves due to pricing disputes. What do you make of this, Linda? Well, it's quite a significant move, Mark. Carrefour's decision to remove PepsiCo products is a reflection of a broader trend in the European grocery retail market. Retailers in Europe have been more aggressive in their tactics to deal with rising food prices. And this isn't just about PepsiCo, it's part of a larger strategic shift we're seeing. Right, you mentioned a strategic shift. Could you perhaps elaborate a bit more on that, Linda? Of course, Mark. So, Carrefour, for instance, is pushing to grow its own private label. The aim is to have their private brand represent 40% of food sales by 2026, up from 33% in 2022. It's a move towards self-reliance, if you will. But it's also a reflection of European consumers' willingness to shift to the private brand equivalent. They're less attached to national brands compared to, say, U.S. consumers. So it's like a two-pronged strategy, right? On one hand, they're trying to keep the costs down. And on the other hand, they're also capitalizing on the existing consumer behavior towards private brands. But it's not without its consequences. For brands like PepsiCo, which relies on Europe for about 14% of its global revenue, this could be a significant blow. And beyond the immediate business impact, we also have to consider the long-term implications on consumer choice and market competition. Hmm. I mean, we've seen similar moves here in the U.S. with brands being put in the penalty box, so to speak. But I wonder if U.S. consumers would be as receptive to a push towards private labels. What do you think? Well, it's hard to say, Mark. Consumer behavior can be quite different across markets. But as we've seen, the current economic climate marked by high inflation and supply chain disruptions is forcing retailers and consumers alike to reevaluate their choices. So... It wouldn't be too far-fetched to expect some changes in the U.S. market as well. Story number four. According to the BBC, Google has started testing a new feature in its Chrome browser that blocks third-party cookies, which are used to collect data and personalize online ads. The feature will initially be available to 1% of global users, with plans for a full rollout later this year. While Google aims to make the Internet more private, some advertisers argue that they will suffer as a result. Rival browsers like Safari and Firefox already offer options to block third-party cookies. The UK's competition watchdog can block Google's plans if it determines they will harm other businesses. Could you believe it, Linda? Google's finally decided to join the privacy bandwagon and block third-party cookies on Chrome. It's a game-changer, really. The whole landscape of digital advertising is about to experience a significant shift. Yes, Mark. It is indeed a significant move, but it's also a part of a larger trend we're seeing, where internet companies are becoming more and more focused on user privacy. Safari and Firefox have already been down this road, and it's about time Chrome caught up. But it's not a change without its challenges. And that's the crux of it, isn't it? 
the balance between user privacy and ad revenue. Google's Chrome privacy sandbox may well make browsing a lot more private, but it's also got some of the advertisers on edge. They're worried about how it's going to impact their revenue. And let's face it, ads are what keep a lot of the internet free for users. That's a valid point, Mark, but it's also important to consider the user experience. Many people find it intrusive to see ads based on their browsing history appearing everywhere they go online. By blocking third-party cookies, Google is giving users more control over their own data. It's a move that could help build trust, which is essential for any business to thrive in the long run. Well, you hit the nail on the head, Linda. It's all about trust. And, uh, speaking of trust, it's interesting to note that the UK's Competition and Markets Authority might step in if they decide this move harms other businesses. It's a delicate balance between user privacy, business interests, and fair competition. Yes, Mark, it's definitely a complex issue, but it's also a step in the right direction when it comes to addressing the privacy concerns that have been growing over the years. How it plays out in the end, well, that remains to be seen. Story number five. According to Al Jazeera, second and third generation family businesses in Asia are increasingly prioritizing sustainable investments. Many younger business heirs are seeking out greener and more socially conscious opportunities, which sometimes leads to conflicts with their parents' profit-focused business models. However, some older generations are also encouraging innovative thinking and embracing new ideas. The younger generation believes that their family's wealth can serve as a catalyst for positive transformation and are incorporating environmental, social, and governance factors into their investment decisions. Effective communication and understanding generational differences are key to persuading older generations to adopt new ways of thinking. Should recognize, Linda, that there's something quite inspiring about the changing attitudes towards business among the newer generations. This piece about Asian heirs of family businesses moving towards more sustainable and socially conscious investments, it shows a shift in perspective that's refreshing to see. Yes, it's a testament to the power of education and the influence of global trends. These young business leaders are using their inherited wealth as a catalyst for positive change, an idea that's both forward-thinking and responsible. Absolutely, it's like they're rewriting the rule book, isn't it? Take Abe Lim, for instance, who decided to part ways with her father's traditional business model. Instead, she chose to venture into socially conscious business, recycling discarded plastic into home decor and other products. It's a bold move, don't you think? Yes, certainly. It was a brave decision, but it also highlights the generational differences and the potential for conflict. It's not easy to convince the older generation about the importance of climate change and sustainability, especially when their experiences have been shaped by a different set of circumstances and priorities. Right. And that's where the challenge lies. We've got this generational clash of values, but we also have the opportunity for dialogue, for mutual understanding. Like what Komal Sahu said about engaging elders in open, respectful conversation to explore new ideas. It's about finding a common ground. Yes, Mark. And it's important to remember that the aim is not to disregard the wisdom and experience of the older generation. After all, they built successful businesses from the ground up. It's about merging their practical business acumen with the younger generation's idealism and socially conscious mindset. Couldn't agree more, Linda. This is the sort of compromise we need for a healthy transition. It's not about discarding the old ways, but adapting them to the realities of today. And in doing so, businesses not only secure their future, 
but potentially play a significant role in societal and environmental betterment. Well said. This is indeed a fascinating shift in the world of business, one we should all keep an eye on as it continues to unfold. That's it for this morning. Have a great day and see you all tomorrow. Five at Eight is researched, written, and performed by artificial intelligence. For more information, visit botcaster.ai.